1: Everybody, welcome along. It's another edition of the Cricket Badger Podcast, County Cricket Weekly. And a pleasure to say on today's podcast, we're joined by the Durham record wicket taker, Chris Rushworth. Chris, how are you?
2: I'm good, thanks. Thanks for having us.
1: And uh, welcome back to the podcast. I'm going to start with one question here before I bring the other guys in. And we'll get this out of the way very early because we spoke about this when you were on the podcast last time. We, we spoke a lot about Sunderland. And are you going to be still playing cricket when Sunderland are still in League One? Because they just keep missing out, don't
2: they? Nice straight in the back there. Um, <laughs> who knows? Quite possibly the way it's going. Could be a long time. Um, new ownership. Hopefully things are on the up of the club. What we're in League One for the third year now, and I think we've just. In the last few weeks, we've uh, sold over twenty-two thousand season tickets, so um, the fans, the fans are still on board, which I think is, you know, it's a good sign of things to come.
1: Yeah, I was watching that uh, Sunderland till I die, and that's one thing that always stays the same, isn't it? The fans support that club regardless. Knuckle, welcome back. Evening, James. Good to be back. How are you?
0: Yeah, not too bad, thanks. Uh, yeah, lots and lots of sport to be uh, to be watching and talking and thinking about. So uh, it, it's all good. Uh, plus, I absolutely, unlike a lot of people, I absolutely
1: love the, the sun and the hot weather. So I'm uh, happy as Larry right now. Yeah, I uh, totally agree. Sun is out. Sport is all over the place. It cannot be bad. And finally, there's four of us on this podcast today, and we welcome for the first time to this County Cricket Podcast, Mark Hilton, Lancashire fan. How are you? I'm not bad,
3: James. Not bad. I'm enjoying the sunshine as well. Summer's arrived. Likes are doing well, so we're uh, all's good in the world. We beat you off a couple of weeks ago. Oh, you had, to
1: get, you had to get that in, didn't you? You had to get that in. Me and you, um, we have our little barbs, don't we, on Twitter. I think we agree on about 50% of stuff. And then we, we're at loggerheads on the other things. But so we'll, we'll get into some of those as we go through today's podcast. But we're going to start off, Chris, we do a, a feature on this podcast where, um, we, well, I've called it In the Spotlight, but it's about your career. Basically, ten questions, and we'll see how many you get. Currently leading is uh, Ben Slater, who got nine out of ten. But I do have to say, I've written these questions, and I actually think these are quite hard. I uh, will see how you get on. And the first question is one that you can't get wrong because this is just your opinion. But if you were to pick a team of the uh, an eleven of the uh, the best players that you've ever played with, who would be the first name on the team sheet?
2: Oh, um, it's a tricky one. Though. It is a tricky one. We've had been very fortunate to have. Played with some absolute legends. Um, best name on the team sheet. First first name. You know what? I'm going to go in very traditional style. I'm going to, the first name on the team sheet would be the opening batsman. I'd go in batting order. So be Michael DiVanuto. That's
1: not a bad shout. He was a good player. Very, well, good was player. A very good player. Number two, you have a cousin in the game, Phil Mustard, um, Durham. another Durham legend. How old at the moment is your cousin?
2: Uh, he's one year older than me. One school year older than me, so I believe he will be 36.
1: Well, I'll tell you what, he's been lying to you about his age. He's 38. Is he?
2: Yeah. He older than me then. I got that one wrong.
1: <laughs> um, you debuted for Durham, question number three, in a list A game versus Sri Lanka in 2004. How long did it take you to get back into the side after that in years? Uh,
2: six years. Six years. In 2010 at Headingley,
1: quite a long time between debut and the next game, isn't it? I mean, you you did a lot of jobs in the meantime as well, didn't you? You yeah. effectively went out the game for a bit, didn't you?
2: Yeah, I had two years or two and a bit years away from uh, away from the club, so it was nice to get that that third nod again at Headingley. Makes you feel at home a bit more once you you know you get back in the team. Nine for
1: fifty-two, your career best figures in first-class cricket. You took that in 2014 against North Hance. Obviously taking nine, there was one batsman that was out that you didn't get. Who was that batsman and who got him? Two points for this one.
2: Maurice Chambers
1: and Ben Stokes. Good knowledge, that's good there. Uh, does that rankle that, he, that Stokes, he got that
2: one? Uh, you know what, the ball before he actually got the wicket, there was a questionable caught at slip by Collingwood, but Colley claimed it bounced first. And then next ball, uh, he's nicked it again and Scott Borthwick just snapped all the t- um, and everyone's like, Scott, what you you doing? Drop it, drop it. But obviously you can't do that, can
1: you? I've been to some benefit games where that has happened, when the beneficiary has been dropped on purpose, yeah. but you can't do it in a proper game, can you?
2: No, absolutely not. Absolutely not.
1: You became Durham's leading ever wicket-taker this season. What was the magic number that you had to get to to achieve that? 520 years. 528. That was an emotional... I, I saw the, um, the sort of celebrations of that and you got a bit teary, didn't you? That meant a lot to
2: you. It did. Um, I knew. It, I obviously knew I only needed one more and for the first, I think it was 12 over, something like that. was trying so hard to get it. Um, didn't think it was going to come. For, for one, wicket, it was just so bizarre. Um, but when it came, it was one of those feelings where ev- every emotion under the sun just kind of hit me at once. Uh, my dad was there in the corner, so my dad was watching. Joy pride, um, happiness, just just everything kind of was overwhelming. And I did, like I, I'll admit, on the field, I just lost it, um, burst into tears. Uh,
1: and your dad's obviously, I mean, all cricketers get supported by their parents in their early days and stuff. Your dad will have done that with you. Um, to have him there, and I saw you give him a big hug as well, that, that would have meant quite a bit, wouldn't it, to have him there?
2: Yeah, um, like you say, I think he's, he's been a massive influence uh, for me from being little, you know, he taxied me around the country as a kid. Um, he's been my biggest supporter throughout my professional career you know he he went through two or three year period where he came to literally every home and away game would never wouldn't miss a ball so for him to be there was you know I think he was he was more proud than anyone and for him to see it and you know witness it I think couldn't have been prouder
1: they're the sort of memories that you'll think back on being the ones that were special I guess in terms of your career Um, moving on next question 500th wicket came earlier on in this season who was your 500th victim?
2: first class victim Tom Kula-Cadmore. When you clarified that,
1: what was your other answer going to be? Um, I think I've got that one. 500th first class versus 500th county championship. Not the same wicket.
2: Right. Uh, Oh God, I I don't know
1: that then. My answer I've got down here, which I took from a report earlier, was uh, Hanima Vahari
2: when you were playing against Warwickshire this season. Right. Uh, I don't know what that is. Was, is that a staff from Martin Emerson by any chance? <laughs>
1: um Knuckle, what what was what, your uh, have I got this wrong or is Chris so, got this wrong? The wicket of Honoma Vihari this season?
0: Oh actually no, what the what I've got is that the five hundredth first class wicket was last season, the Tom Collar Cadmore in the in the Bob Willis trophy last year. Yeah. And the five hundredth wicket in the county championship was and I am reading David Hobbs's report from the
1: game against Derbyshire this year, Matt Critchley. Regardless I've got got that wrong and you take the point Chris I think, uh, <laughs> I think it's, it's the badger minus one Chris plus one on that one number seven what is your current total of wickets in first class cricket uh, you see all the, these special milestones the know the five two eight and stuff you remember that don't uh, you but what are you on now
2: hang on I could work it out 17 543
1: I've got 550 oh well there you go what is your first-class bowling average? I'll give you give you with uh, within one run.
2: 20,
1: 22.3 or something like that. I'll tell you what, I don't need to give it with you. In one, with 22.35, I think we'll give you that one. There and uh, finally, finally, if you get this right, you go to eight points. What is your highest first-class score with the bat?
2: 57.
1: Hey. <laughs> Straight in with that one. That's your only first-class 50, isn't it?
2: It is, yeah. yeah. So it's an easy one, easy
1: one to remember. That was a special day, I guess, as well. Who knows wins? Put your money where your mates are. There's over 25,000 players and over £1 million already won. The biggest community pot was £31,000 and there's over 12,000 leagues created. Download our free app and play against your friends and family with bragging rights and real money on the line. Who knows wins in a different league. Knuckle, um, let's bring you in. Have you got any questions for, for Mr. Rushworth today? One from one from me, and one um,
0: one that was was passed on by a, by a very good friend of mine. He's a he's a, uh, a Durham fan and a Durham member. One of your best days, but it kind of got overshadowed. I was there that day at Lords in in 2015, where you bowled Middlesex out for eighty nine. You bowled absolutely incredibly. Under it was so great, i I'm actually surprised the batters could see the ball. Um, but it was. Um, but you bowled, you bowled incredibly along with you and the Duke John Hastings. Yeah. Uh, skittled through Middlesex. You must be feeling pretty good about yourselves. And then James Harris happens the next day. It Just taught me through that that roller coaster of the of that that day against Middlesex at Lords or that those two
2: days. Actually, I had this conversation with some of our lads the other day. Obviously, with the weather at the start of this year being so cold and windy and horrible, I remember we turned up that last day and there was a howling gale from the pavilion end, and all the boys were like, right, lads, we need to be on against Finney here. Steve Finn, he's going to bowl absolute rockets with this wind behind his back. And then, like you say, Harry bowled into the wind and got nine. And it's just one of those things. I don't know if lads kind of switched off from the other end or or, or whatnot. But um, you know, he, he bowled well. Like, well, fair play to him. He bowled really well. But it was just the the way that whole game went. I think they were kind of four hundred in the first innings. The momentum was with them. And then the second day, we bowled them out quickly. And then we did okay our first innings and then we bowled them out to just the momentum kept changing throughout the game and then that last day Harry just came in and and tore through us I think we were all worried about Finney bowling 90 mile an hour plus and who Finny just charged into the wind and, and did his
0: job? Yeah, James Harris nine for thirty four. Stephen Finn, one for thirty five. And the man he got what? out was the was the number eight. It just goes like that sometimes. And the the, the other one from a friend of mine, Dr. Katie Scott. I'm um, sure be happy with the name check if she listens to this. It goes back to what James was saying about and what you were saying about your time out of the professional game. Was there ever a point where you thought that it might not happen? Where you thought you might have to give up on playing cricket or just think of cricket as something you did recreationally?
2: Um, the only time I really thought it wasn't for me or it might not have happened was when I I was first released. um, I guess as a a young lad, I was 19 at the time and got told I wasn't being offered a contract for the next year. And, you know, if, if I'd have been in love with cricket as much as I am now, then you would think I would have been disappointed and gutted. And don't get me wrong, it was... It wasn't nice to hear that, but, you know, I, I didn't walk away from it heartbroken and distraught like I, I probably should have. Um, and I guess it was that sense of realisation after, you know, a year or so, you know, you know what, I, I do actually miss cricket. Um, and from there, you know, I had, a, I had a few trials and played a little bit of league cricket with some friends. Um, and then the, the opportunity to, to net with the boys over a winter came two years later. And lucky enough, I, I did quite well in the nets and you know the trial games at the start of the year
0: but a bit of minor counties in there as well or was that before you played or was that kind of the first time round as it were
2: no that, that was so that I played minor counties while I was part of the academy as a youngster um, we struck up a deal with Northumberland um, so I went and played a few games up there with them as, a, as an academy lad really
1: Mark over to you got any questions for Chris today yeah we had uh, Bunny Onions uh,
3: bowling for us for the last couple of years of his career at Lancashire
1: and when I look at him and when I look at
3: you I know he's kind of dropped in pace a bit for when it was he has. A lot of similar skills to you, or you had a lot of similar skills to him. Did you you learn a lot from uh, Bunny when you were opening the bowling with him for for Durham? And how important is it for young bowlers to learn from senior players around them?
2: Yeah, I think you've got to. I I mean, for probably five or six years, we opened the bowling together and we we, we formed a a really good partnership. The one thing that I I always took from Bunny is how professional he was. He was very competitive, you know, he, he, he... he was always... He wanted to be in the game. He, he wanted to win. He um, hated losing. From a bowling point of view, just the week, he attacked the stumps. Um, and I guess that's that's where I've sort of gone the last few years. Whereas I'd rather go for runs, make sure I'm bowling out the stumps so I can get all three dismissals. I think a lot of young guys now, not get sucked in, but enjoy bowling pretty balls where they've got a little bit of swing, goes through to the keeper at a nice height. Um, but good, good players will leave that all day long. Um, so for me where Bunny was good he got nice and tight to the stumps and he was always attacking your front pads and um, hitting the stumps and again just the, his work ethic off the field was um, was second to none especially for a guy who's had some serious injuries he wasn't afraid of putting the hard work in off the field which for any young lad watching that um, that's how you should go about your business
0: By pretty balls you mean not quite full enough not quite straight enough looks great <laughs> past the outside edge
2: Yeah it just looks nice you know what I mean? Like, passes the bat at a nice height. Um, Keeper takes it up here. It's got good shape on it. Um, you know, you, you can bowl 10 overs for 10 runs, but I think as a bowler, you know, you, you get measured on your wickets at the end of the day.
3: Christian, I mean, you've taken a lot of wickets in your career. I mean, you know, you had a bit of a break and obviously... Came into the game site late in terms of when you've matured do you matured as a cricketer. Did you, you ever get kind of concerned that you get you've been pigeonholed as a you know a county pro blah blah blah? You've not been taught about for England because when I've seen you bowl, you've got a lot of skills. And does it does it concern you that you've very rarely been kind of taught so as a kind of an England player?
2: Nah, I, I guess it's one of those things you, you kind of take. Like, I mean, I guess for me, my style of ball, and I'm never going to get in an England team ahead of someone like. Anderson who's probably a, a similar kind of bowler um and the fact that he stayed fit and been as good as he is for what 12 13 14 15 years I, you know I guess it's just I've, I've been unlucky as such that England have had such a strong bowling lineup um for quite a number of years um don't get me wrong I I'd bloody love to play for England or or at least have a chance um, just to see if I'm good enough, you know what I mean? Everyone keeps saying, oh, he he might not be quick enough and things like that, but there's some bloody good, skillful international cricketers who have had good test careers.
3: Vernon Philander, for example.
2: Yeah, well, he'd be top of my list as well. Um, So, you know, I I would love to have a chance to see if I was good enough. The the one thing that I was pleased with two weeks ago was when Ollie Robinson got picked. Yeah. He's not the quickest bowler in the world, but he got a chance and he did really well. Um, so, you know, paces and everything in, in, in national cricket.
3: No, you've got to have the skills. And I was impressed with Robinson myself when I saw him the other week. I saw him for Lancs as well, he played against us earlier in the season and watched down the street. street and yeah, he's a good bowler.
1: Yeah, no, nah, he's... We had another um, similar kind of bowler on the podcast uh, last week in Ben Sanderson from uh, North and his job at the end of the podcast last week. And it's going to be your job as well to uh, leave some a question or two for Kevin Sharp, the uh, Worcestershire coach and former player. Um, but Sando left uh, a couple of questions for you, Chris. The first one was he wants to meet you in a in a in a net somewhere and get him get you to teach you all of his skills. When, when can that can when we arrange that for?
2: Oh, we know we've played against him the last few years. He's never mentioned any of this. Um, Sando's so he's, he's another one who's you know does exceptionally well in county cricket but probably will never get mentioned as, as much as he should because you know he, he isn't that high 80 plus bowler but I, I don't think I'd like to face him too much myself Sando he nips him about a little bit too much for me
1: and the second question that he left you was uh, will you sign for North Hamps, please he wants, to <laughs> bo- he wants to bowl with you
2: Oh, uh, he'd he prefer to bowl at the Riverside I'm sure
1: <laughs> oh, so you want him at Durham instead
2: he, he, he much more of a, an effective duo if he's at the Riverside
1: I was, I was going to ask you, uh, Chris, about uh, there was kind of a mass exodus period from Durham, wasn't there? A lot of players left. Um, you've stayed there. Uh, and I know a lot of Durham fans think the world of you because you you hung around when some others kind of jumped ship. Was there ever any temptation for you to go as well or was it always going to be Durham?
2: Um, it's, it's a tricky one to answer because at the time when all the, all the crisis hit, there was a lot of uncertainty around where the club was going and finances and all that kind of stuff um but once we kind of knew that contracts and things were safe and um lads were you know effectively would still be getting paid and nothing like that was going to change then you know i think it was it was a bit of a no brainer for me to i was always going to stay
1: Let's uh, move on then to. I mean, we're into T Twenty country now, aren't we? I've not actually watched any of the T Twenty yet because I've been all over the Euros. I've got quite a lot of work to do around the Euros. But Knuckle, how, have you seen any? How have you found it so far? Has anybody impressed you? Uh, I've watched. Uh, I've watched some. Yeah, uh, I haven't been across it quite as much as I was across the County Championship.
0: But I'm certainly staying across the across the schools. I mean, what is what? What strikes me almost every time that the Blast uh, kicks off, is it's a really high-quality competition. Um, There are some serious players and some serious batting lineups going around the Blast this year. I mean, you look at... I'll just take one, uh, uh, Lancashire. Finn Allen, a fantastically exciting player. Joss Butler, Liam Livingston. You've got this all-star Knott's team. Um, Worcestershire continuing to be be brilliant. I think that I I just... I wish that the, you know, obviously the streams are great. The streams are massively important, but I I wish that the the blast got a, a little bit more love, frankly. And a little bit more exposure, and a little bit more, a more of a push behind it, because it is a fantastic competition, uh, and and full of some very high quality cricketers. And we'll see more of that when, uh, you know, some of these New Zealand players when they finish the World Test Championship final. I think Daryl Mitchell is, will, will be playing in that. Colin de Grandhomme will be playing in the in that. Uh, and and yeah, I've been mean, been thoroughly impressive. But I mean, obviously the the standouts have been really been obviously um, young Lenham at Sussex taking up his his first. Yeah international first uh, professional wicket at 16 or whatever oh, do you, do you um, see
1: do you see his little leap knuckle oh, oh that's great he was, he was beautiful uh, that's it? great
0: that's exactly how i would have uh, celebrated if i would had ever been anywhere close to being good enough uh, to get uh, to get a, to get a a professional gig at 16 and then um, and then Joe Clark um, who um, is just a thoroughly thoroughly impressive cricketer obviously not hasn't helped himself in his own personal life but is a thoroughly impressive cricketer and one of those bowlers who one of those batters rather who can make any bowling attack look silly and it's always, it's always great to see Moe scoring runs
1: he's mentioned everybody there Chris apart from the room <laughs> hasn't he um, you've had a decent start up there
2: the boys have started well you know it's a little bit of a different lineup to what we've had the last few years but it's full of youth energy and you know there's a hell of a lot of talent there and I think that you know that the games they've won the first two um that victory over Leicestershire yesterday was you know it was, it was we were dead and buried and we've managed to get over the line with an over to spare so shows that Durham have got something about them. Um, the young lads are hungry and, and want to do well. But one one person that stands out for me so far young guy from Surrey Will Jacks I watched his innings at uh, at Lord's the other night.
0: is that the single best shot that's ever been played in the blast oh. Matt
2: my goodness! I was watching that. That was incredible. You know when you know it's a good shot when the batsman himself—he stood there and he was almost smiling, laughing, as if to <laughs> say, "As that really just happened." Because that went a hell of a long way over extra cover.
1: Describe it, Chris, for people haven't seen it.
2: It was a, a foolish wide one. He's literally just—it wasn't—it wasn't a, wasn't, a slog, wasn't agricultural. He's just hit it over extra cover, timed it, but it, it's gone miles. It's hit the roof of the stand on the offside. It was—it was phenomenal cricket shot
0: and in a diagonal line straight up it's still going up as it hits the top of the stand
1: unbelievable shot it's a a bit of a thankless task being a bowler in T20 isn't it it's a
2: batsman's game isn't it we're just there for the entertainment
1: (laughs) Mark Lancashire they've always got a decent side always do well in the in the T20 how how do you rate their chances this time
2: yeah I
3: think at Old Trafford we're very strong we lost at Worcester yesterday I think you know the wickets at Old Trafford suit our slower bowlers I mean Parkinson I love watching him bowl he's a great bowler uh, Livingston's bowling is really improving he can bowl all different types of deliveries leg breaks off breaks but so, many, so many variations young Tom Hartley coming through as a spin bowler and obviously our batting I mean Finn Allen played a really good innings the other night on a on a warm wicket uh, I think that was against Derbyshire so we look at a really strong outfit at home but you know our first away game yesterday was Worcester and we just the batting didn't fire and you know, you get the feeling that you know sides might prepare pitches that aren't quite con- as conducive for our slower bowlers. So, we, you know, they may have tr- may have got onto us a little bit there. But you know, overall as a package, we don't. You know, we're, in, we're a strong outfit, but um, we might lack lack a little bit around about seven and eight. We've got Wood coming in at seven and. People like that, so we might look like the fireworks down the order. I mean, Durham yesterday, I can't remember who got the runs, but it was a number number nine, wasn't it, Chris? So you got 40 or 50 very quickly.
2: Yeah, I think Eckersley went in at seven, got 50, and then uh, Travascus was at nine or 10, and he got 25, 30, not out as well at the end, which I think, like you say, makes makes a big difference.
0: I mean, I Ned Eckersley is one of these guys. I mean, Ned Eckersley a top order player in the, in, in the four day stuff. He's one of these players who gets feel a little bit like Stephen Mullaney for not, so he kind of gets pushed down the order. It's nice, must be been a quite a nice position. Position to have that kind of almost safety blanket in the in the lower middle order.
2: Yeah, definitely. Even you, you look at the lineup yesterday. Scott Botha was down at ten. He didn't get a hit. One of the best county county players. You know that's been around for six seven years. Um, and even he could obviously, if needed, can can do a job there. So things like say having guys who can bat down the order. If you've got someone who's gone in at five or six. Um, Just to help them along, you know, 20, 30 runs from your your teal enders makes a a huge difference in white ball cricket.
1: Who's going to win it this year, Knuckle? You know what? Let's say Worcestershire. Okay. You're going to go with Worcestershire then. Chris, what about you? Let's let's take Durham out of your thought process here. Of the other 17, who's the biggest rival?
2: I think Worcester have done well over the years, but I think just looking at. the way they've started in their lineup, Surrey this year look like they've they've got everything covered
1: Same question to you Mark but we're going to take uh, Lancashire out of the equation for you Yeah I think Surrey I mean they haven't even got an overseas player
3: but you know that I think they look very very strong this year Surrey got good spinners good pace good, good variety all down the order I think they're going to take a lot of beating
1: Well we'll come back to the T20 as we go through the next few weeks on this uh, county cricket podcast still it's fairly early days at the moment so we'll move on
0: the badger a message and now i'm on the podcast with this jingle if you would like to get in touch with the cricket badger podcast then tweet at cricket underscore badger
1: and obviously after the test match, England had a rather poor time of it. I was on commentary for the uh, day three of that and it started to get quite difficult to phrase disappointment in different ways because it was happening every five minutes. And it wasn't the greatest of showings from England in that test at all, albeit against a very good New Zealand side. And what it always happens, Chris, when you kind of get a bad England performance, it starts to get people Focusing the uh, crosshairs on the county game and the county championship. In terms of you and I mean, you, obviously you've been playing for a while now. How strong do you think the county game is at the moment? Yeah, you know, is, is it unfair to criticise the county championship and that that that, that being the fault?
2: Nah, I think I think the four-day game is, is pretty good. My only worry is with the hundred coming in now. Is you know is that going to start taking you know the excitement away for for the younger lads coming through? Um, I think where the county championship has been. Good over the last few years is it, it brings in young guys when you look at that test squad now a lot of them are, are very young um, they haven't played a great deal of, of county cricket but, you know, they're playing international cricket. Um, I also think because of all the streaming available uh, with the IPL being cancelled, a lot of it was shown on Sky as well. Um, mm. So there's a lot more people been watching. Um, and, you know, when things are on TV, it seems like every every commentator has got an opinion. So I think things just get highlighted when everyone sees it a bit more.
1: Have you noticed from playing yourself in the Championship and the streaming that you uh, you maybe a couple more of your mates or something have actually tuned in and watched it and, and know a bit more the, about what you've been doing?
2: Oh, 100%. You know, a lot of my mates absolutely love cricket, but like most people, you know, they they work full time. Um, So to be able to have the streams available where they can just tune in for an hour at lunch or, you know, bits and pieces while they're working and things, I think it's making a, a massive difference. You look at some of the figures around the country, the number of views is, you know, it's amazing. So it just goes to show that county cricket is not dead. You know, people want to watch it and people are watching it.
1: Well, I mean, that's what they always say, isn't it? You know, the people that are against the championship or not against it, but uh, are critical of it say, well, it's one man and his dog, but that kind of, the figures that we see on the streamings belies that completely, doesn't
2: yeah. it? Oh, 100%. We've just come out of the lockdown and stuff, but... Uh, our first game with with a crowd back this year against Essex. I think we had something like two and a half, three thousand people in the ground for four day cricket. Yeah, uh, how,
1: how was that to have the fans back in after after having empty seats for so long?
2: Yeah, amazing. I, I think it's just you know it's it's nice for people to be there for them. You know, it's it's great for cricket. You know, you notice the atmosphere instantly. As soon as there's a boundary hit, you hear the applause or, you know, the the sarcastic cheer from someone if there's a misfield. But for people just to get back to normality and, you know, enjoy the game, you could just see that the weather was nice. People were happy, smiling. Regardless of the result, I think people just enjoyed watching cricket.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Nicole, where do you stand on this? Because as I say, in the crosshairs, the county game, after an England uh, defeat, you know, it's not strong enough. It's not producing the players we should do. All, all worries me with the, yeah, you know, it's all the fault of the 18 counties. Where do you stand on that? I mean, I know when we, we discussed it on WhatsApp earlier, you said this is the kind of age-old kind of discussion, but it just continues though, doesn't it?
0: Yeah, and I understand that to, to some extent. I think that England and its commentariat in, it, in that sense, the, the the commentators and the and the writers and, and, and all that, are very sort of keen to go macro on it. You know, every every defeat is a symptom of a wider of a wider problem. And while while looking at that stuff is not is not in itself a bad thing, I think you can get you can start making very sweeping judgments based on not a great deal of information. The other danger, of course, is that something we've talked about on this podcast a few times is that you can't keep changing the format of the of for whatever of the four day competition or of the one day cup or or the blast or whatever it might be. There, there's a there's been a lot of root and branch reviews and preparing for the previous crisis, you know, flatter pitches to, to a spinners or whatever it might be or bringing bowlers into the game. We, I'm, I'm not talking specifics here, but these are the kind of things. There's been a lot of shifting and back and forth and how much of any of that is is actually going to be helpful is remains to be seen but what we but what we what we see with systems and new zealand and india are the two teams in the world test championship final are a great example of this is that if you make changes to the structure you've got to give it time to bed in you've got and i don't just mean one two seasons five seven ten years new zealand changed their pitches to be less green seam and nibbly and making the boulders work a bit harder and allowing the batters to build innings a bit more seven years ago yeah India have been building this pool of fast, of fast bowlers and the pathway through the National Cricket Academy and the Zonal Cricket Academies and the A-teams and the under-19 teams in this structure for 10, 15 years now. And it's only in the last last six years or so the, the real focus of that pathway between that to of the under-19s and the A-teams and all of those academy structures to, to make that jump between first-class cricket and international cricket smaller. But it's taken resources and it's taken time time i would be very wary about making any judgments base uh, and any changes to the to the county structure based on uh, two series or whatever it's been this this year really with it with india and then and then and then the new zealand series uh there there are you know there are batters with technical deficiencies but there have always been batters with technical deficiencies who get shown up by good bowling that's how it works
1: oh, oh you see nasa's rant about um techniques, just play straight, all that kind of stuff. I mean, because I think there was a little bit of kickback, wasn't there from, uh, yeah. Was it josh Butler and Ben Stokes and um nasa was basically yeah. saying, "Well, this, this is just proof. If you actually play straight, you have more chance." Well, I mean,
0: that's not exactly rocket science, is it? No, I,
1: mean, no, um, totally. I understand why,
0: why nasa was annoyed having having watched that, but uh, the Jeffrey boycott as well. He, <laughs> talking about techniques, and you know, Burns's little look to over to midwicket and Sibley's sort of very close. That's not really a technique, exactly, is it? You know, like, to bring it to bowlers, Chris. You you know, James Anderson is a. You wouldn't say that his head is the the ideal copybook head position, or that Just Breathe Boomra has you know the smoothest run up in the world. But in terms of transferring their weight through the crease and getting the ball down the other end in a controlled manner, you can't really argue with it. Like there, there's a lot of it's strike There's a lot of people confuse sort of the sort of the the physical almost visual quirks with technique. I think a lot of the time.
2: Uh, Jeff, I agree. I think the only time technique ever gets questioned is it. Is if you're failing, if you score scoring runs, you know, it's, it's not a problem. It might have a different technique, but it works for him. He's scoring runs. But as soon as you fail, you get overanalyzed massively. And that's when they start talking about it. It's, it's it's such a tough one because the guys that are playing, they play county cricket and they score runs consistently. Um, but like you say, you know, New Zealand are number one in the world for a reason. And, and they're bold, you know, they're they well. One of those, like say, when you're not doing well and when you aren't scoring runs, every every little fault or, or something that looks different and um, gets picked up on straight away.
1: I was uh, I remember talking to Andrew Gale at Yorkshire Knuckle, where um, he always used to kind of tuck his. Um, neck down before facing a delivery and I asked him why do you you kind of flex your neck before uh, the bowler comes in he basically said when I was a kid I had a helmet that was too big for me and I used to have to basically do that to kind of make sure the helmet was straight so I could see out of it Um, and that kind of stays stays with you so some of these quirks as you call them quite rightly um, are are just that aren't they well I'll tell you that Mark Wood
0: you know he used to before he lengthened his run up he used to have that run up where he looked like a Hot Wheels car where he'd just been shoved forward because he didn't have enough space to do a full run up when he started and I sent the Badger a message and now I'm on the podcast with this jingle. If you would like to get in
1: touch with the Cricket Badger podcast, then tweet at cricket underscore badger. Mark, I know we've had our differences in, in, over the last few days with this because I kind of recoil a little bit when people say this is the fault of the county game. I really like the current structure. I, I, I've got really into this conference thing. And as Knuckle says, I, I want to see this conference be given a number of years to see how it grows and see how it develops because A, everybody gets a chance to win it. B, somebody, I mean, pick on Leicestershire because Leicestershire are the proverbial wooden spoonists but they've now got the incentive to actually really take four-day cricket seriously because they can potentially win it and they can they can grow that rather than just concentrate on trying to win the odd T20 blast along the way. I know you've got slightly different views.
3: Well, uh, yeah, I've got slightly different views. I mean, I've been watching county cricket for 40 years now, which shows my age a little bit. And every time England lose, there's you no know, the county game comes up. There's something wrong with it here, there, and everywhere. And I think England's current problems aren't so much a problem of county cricket per se, I think it's a problem of the marginalisation of county cricket over the last five or seven years. I mean, we talk about batsmen with poor techniques and England haven't really produced a lot of batsmen over the last few years, when Joel Reed was the last one that really produced he was any good, or consistently good. I mean, you've got batsmen who were playing in April, early April on seeming wickets, late, late September, they're not playing in midsummer. I think the four-day game has been marginalised to, to the extreme. And, um, you know, I think the halcyon days of four-day cricket were from the late 90s till about 2014. You, you played on good pitches, good overseas players, top-class cricket, You know, that's a Justin Langer, really thought it was the best type of cricket he'd ever played in outside of a Test match, much stronger than Australia's division, and you had the best play in the best. I think this conference system, it has its merits, you understand that, you can bring young players through, this, that and the other, but actually, there's no relic, no promotion relegation you kind of breed in a little bit of mediocrity in the sense that, you know, from the end of August, if you're not in the first division, you haven't really got much to, much to play for apart from seedings. You know, you need the best playing the best on good wickets. Good wickets, like you get at Old Trafford, like you had in that Roses game that lasted for four days. In the heights of summer, you need the best playing the best on good wickets. The 100 haven't helped. You know, the 100 basically. Has taken away. I was looking at the stats when we won the championship in 2011. Between the 20th of June and the 22nd of August, I think we played six or seven first-class games. Lancashire, we will play two now. So you're playing, you're taking four to five games out out, out of high summer. You know, yeah. so where where are batsmen going to learn their skills? Where are bowlers going to be able to bowl on good wickets and have to try really hard for a with the wickets and so forth. I want the best playing the best. And I think this new system creates a little bit of mediocrity. Sorry, why, why does it create mediocrity? Because I don't think there's an, I don't think the talent pool of I don't I, I'll be honest with you, I don't think the talent pool in terms of English cricketers, remember we had a lot of cold packs in the past overseas players. I don't think the talent pool is there to sustain eighteen counties playing red ball in this format long term. I really
0: don't. Wouldn't that be the case with any setup of eighteen counties? And my I guess the other question would be I see that as a potential argument but I, I don't know how we know that yet after half a season
3: well we possibly don't know that after half a season but um, and you know I just do not see well, you, you, well look at the, look at the amount of batsmen scored in a thousand runs look at how that's declined over the last 10-15 years again I was looking at that today
1: sorry Matt, they are playing less games aren't they that's, well, one, of the, that's one of one the reasons
3: they're playing two less games now than they played a few years ago but even in the 2000s you got players churning out a thousand run plus in every county, two or three players how the ever happens now? Not even eight hundred. They're getting eight hundred runs. They've had a great season. You know, we're just not producing the, the the level of the amount of players we have. Who I think are good enough to play red ball cricket consistently is not there for eighteen counters. I understand blood and young players into sides, and they need time to bed in and all the rest of it. But I just want to see the best playing the best more often, which is why I think two divisions is a better. Format for
1: that. Like, yeah. I mean, like Lancashire spend a lot of time in Division Two, though, so you're not you're not going to see the best of this, the best here.
3: Well, well, they're in Division Two we're in Division 2 but we've we've also, you know, I would I could go on forever about Lancashire now. Yeah, well, I, that, that that was a very cheeky question. I did. I didn't really. really. on good wickets. I mean, Chris, do you think, for example, that you're a bowler? Do you feel it's? Do you think it, over your career it's become easier for you to bag wickets?
2: I agree, one hundred percent. With uh, you know, the, the way I, personally, I'll, I'll the. Personally, I love the conference system as a minute, but I agree with you. We don't play enough first class cricket in those three months. Two first class games in June, July, and August, it's, it's not good enough. I agree.
1: And that's the summer, isn't it, Chris? That, that, that's the actual summer bit of the, of the calendar, isn't it? And, and well, that's when well, the first class game isn't played.
2: Definitely. When are most of your, your national tests played in the summer? when the wickets are good. I mean, like Mark said, bowlers need to learn how to get good players out on good wickets over four days um, or five days in a test match. And a lot of county crickets, more so over the last few years, are not making four days. And I guess that is due to the time of year, you know, the, the first class games are played. So I, I agree we don't play enough in this summer. Just play like one more thing. Just look at that game the other week,
3: Lancashire versus Yorkshire. Yeah? Good weather. Could have been midsummer. Went the whole four days. You had someone like Saqib Mahmood reversing the ball on day four, bowling fast on a flat pitch, yeah. Matt Parkinson bowling. Look at how young players would learn from playing on those types of wickets in those types of conditions. Yeah, Again, yeah I, you know, that, That's replicating uh, Test
1: match cricket more. I, I, don't, I don't. I don't think any of us. I don't think any of us would argue with the fact that we should have more first class cricket in the uh, in the middle in the actual summer months of the season. I, I think that's fine. Great, but going back to the conference, Chris. What is it? You, I mean, you, you mentioned you're you're a fan of that. What what is it you like about the conference system? Yeah.
2: Um, so I, I wasn't. I wasn't sure if I would be a fan when it, you know, when it first came out and got announced and spoke about. But I, I do think the fact that everyone can win it keeps everyone interested. And I know Mark was saying, you know, people once you, you don't reach that top division, there's nothing to play for. Um, that's that's not true. There is actually prize money for 14 teams this year, which has never been the case in the past. So even if you don't make that top division, if you finish top of division two or whatever it's going to be, there's yeah. still decent prize money for those teams. So there is still a lot to play for for, for everyone. Um, which I think you know, it, it it should make every every club interested.
1: And the division that Durham are in this season is just bonkers tight, isn't it? You're fourth, but there's nothing between any of the sort of top five teams in that division.
2: Yeah, no, it's it is incredibly tight. Um, I think We we've got a game in hand on a, on a few of the teams, um, but everyone just seems to be picking up wins here and there. You know, I think everyone's beat everyone, and um, it's like you say that I think that. Between first and fourth and fifth, there's like twelve points difference or something like that. It's it's crazy, exciting, but just nice to be in the hunt. I guess as a Durham fan, we we've had some bad times over the last few years, and um, it's nice to have a chance.
1: I mean, that's one of the things. I mean, you say it's exciting. I mean, I think all, all three of the conferences are nicely poised going into the final two games of the, this first kind of element of it Um, and with the streaming on top it can only be good for the county game can't it you know the the excitement of the matches plus the streaming you would hope that people watching the streaming like your mates in the office might get to a couple more games in a season because they're excited by what they're seeing
2: yeah, I think so. I think if, you know, if your team are doing well and you've, you've got a chance to win and I think the interest in county cricket is is what is definitely still there. Why not put a bit more money into that and, you know, have have more games on Sky or, you know, just do something to give the 4 game a bit more um, publicity or make it more accessible for people to watch. You know, they've pumped a hell of a lot of money into the 100, you know, if they put as much money as that into the Blast a few years ago could the Blast be that that massive tournament that everyone's craving
1: that was one of the points Chris wasn't it where a lot of us I mean I, I, I've i been very anti the 100 the and I, I would suggest that making the Blast a, a two divisional thing making the top division a Premier League on the TV having the second division promotion and relegation you can have playoffs like we do in the football and um, to get the drama of those games as well throw a bit of that cash that they've spent in and it only has to be a fraction of the cash they've spent on the 100 just to add a little bit of bells and whistles and and rasmatas around the site. Well you know, and also got a winning but- product there. Well, also the blast has something
0: unique. Finals day is a unique product. It's a hell of a long day as a broadcaster, is and, and I can tell you that much. And I'm sure it is as a player as well. But it's a very, very exciting day. And you have this—you almost have the same thing of a day at a test match. With the fact that it, that it builds over over this over this time period, and it, you get some incredible finishes in the uh, uh, at that final. I think because everyone's everyone's nerves are a little bit shredded by the end of that of that final, and that is something that other other countries don't have. Uh, but as it is, you know, I, I follow a lot of people who are big into T20 cricket on, on Twitter and so forth. You're having to, I mean, it's a bit different now, but you, you're really having to hunt around for footage of the blast. Like it, 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 you can do whatever you, you know, you, I'm fairly agnostic about the hunter. I don't really know what I think of it yet. I would have liked to, to be a T20 competition, but whatever. Whatever competition you've got on, you know, make pe- make it easy for people to watch it.
2: Yeah. yeah. Uh, the, the one thing about this whole new format they're trying to attract a, a new a new audience a new crowd it's it's cricket cricket fans will watch it like right? how, how are you going to get more cricket fans you're
1: not giving them something different are you it's just 20 balls nah. less well i'm
0: not yeah. uh, look i mean the the some of the a lot of the aims of it are you know making cricket more accessible and more friendly for women and families and people of color is absolutely not just laudable but necessary like, i don't know how sha- i don't know how shaving off 20 balls helps that
1: yeah, you could do that with the blast, couldn't you, if you did it right?
0: Yeah, almost certainly. Um, or even, you know, if you wanted a city-based, you know, if you, if you Mark, you're talking about the best of the best. Um, you know, if you're talking about an eight-team city competition with, you know, eight really heavily stacked, of full of quality squads, as, you know, everywhere else in the world basically, basically has. T20 works. It's a great format. It's been proven to work everywhere it's been tried seriously
3: yeah i agree i mean there's nothing wrong with the t20 i don't think i think the 100 is an unnecessary um gamble in my opinion i mean the you know the ecb coppers coffers have been kind of raided for it it's all been done on a kind of whim about attracting an audience as chris says i mean i work in education i work with 16 to 18 year olds and so forth i asked them what the 100 is they haven't got i've got a clue i don't think they'll be going to in the summer <laughs> you know you know it's not gonna it's not it's not it's not getting into the kind of zygressed of the young people's mind these people you know they they are in in the west country so if you're asking what the welsh fire is they're going to probably say um is it a rugby team you know, so i just think it's a big gamble and uh it's a lot of money being pumped into it and you're also going back to the red Bull scenario you're going to have a lot of red ball cricketers who are going to get this two tier system you know those red ball cricketers are going to get paid a lot less you know they're going to think about whether long term cricket's a career for them and that's what i say about you know the the whole existential problem of
1: red ball cricket going forward with this with this competition is that yeah. something that some um, uh, players at Durham have spoken about Chris that maybe um, a, a couple of you might be playing in the uh, in the hundred and getting a bit more cash where the rest of you are kind of not doing
2: Nah, not at all I mean, obviously the lads talk about it and, you know we. Every, I think everyone's just proud that we've got people else, um representing um, I don't think anyone, you know begrudges it or or anything like that uh, I think that's just the way sport goes So, nah, I, I don't think that'll be the case
1: Right, I'm going to give Mark and uh, Knackle uh, a chance to ask you one more question apiece if you have one up your sleeve, Knackle. If it isn't going to be you, who do you want to see the win- to win the championship?
2: Oh, um, great question. Um, you, know, I, you know what, I've, I don't know why I've got a bit of a soft spot for Worcester. Uh, I like the way they go about things. They've um, got some nice young players. You know, they, they look after their young kids. Um, and they're starting to play some real good cricket. So Worcester, I think it would be nice for you know someone like a Worcester to win it.
0: Worcester should championship blast double. You heard it here first. <laughs> Mark, <laughs> Mark, Mark,
3: the final question from you for Chris today.
0: Yeah, a bit of a cheeky
3: one, Chris. Are you going to do Bunny Onions the last couple of years of your career and come down to Lancashire?
2: Uh, probably not. I don't, I don't think so. Well, you never know. Um, you never know how things go, but I'd like to think I, I'll be staying here. But things change quickly in sport, so can't rule it out. But, you know, I'd like to be at Durham forever.
1: I'll tell you what, Ben Sanderson's tried to poach you to North Island. You've got Mark now trying to get you to Lancashire. And I might as well ask you to come to Yorkshire. Um, let's, let's finish yeah. off then with uh, your final yeah. task, of, uh, of this podcast, uh, Chris Rushworth, you've got to uh, so give me a question or two to ask Kevin Sharp. I mean, you just mentioned Worcestershire; he's down there at Worcestershire now. Um, Kevin Sharp, former left-handed batsman Yorkshire, and now coach at uh, Worcestershire. Um, what question would you like us to ask him next week?
2: See, oh, I'm rubbish at doing stuff like this. Um, oh, um, probably a boring cricket question, really. Um, obviously, Worcestershire got a, a lot of young talent. What would, I don't know, what would, what would his, how do, I, how do I phrase this? What is his vision for the young guys coming through? Because so I know they've got a lot of young fast bowlers. Um, how does he see those getting into the first team? Where does he see that, you know, the, the bowling unit at to go in the next few years? Something a bit serious.
1: I I actually think, on the basis that you were despairing a couple of uh, seconds ago, I think that's a very good question to uh, stick on the uh, the sheet for Kevin Sharp next week. Chris Wushworth, it's a pleasure to have you back on the uh, Cricket Badger podcast for a second time. Wish you every success for the rest of your uh, summer up there in the northeast, and extend that record mate go and get some more
2: I'll certainly try but uh, thanks for having us again thoroughly enjoyable And wish you guys all the best
1: and Knuckle uh, and uh, Mark thank you very much to you too as well for joining me on this week's edition of the uh, Cricket Badger podcast as we said Kevin Sharp is the uh, guest next week the uh, Worcestershire coach will be looking forward to speaking to him next Monday and hopefully you'll be listening and we'll see you then